Chapter 24 of The Girl Aviators and the Phantom Airship by Margaret Burnham. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Leanne Howlett. Hester Makes Amends. Conclusion. A few days later, Peggy borrowed Jess's car and went out for a long, lonely spin along the country roads. She wanted to think. Roy and Jimsy were at home repairing the damage wrought to the golden butterfly, which it turned out was very slight. She was driving along a pretty stretch of road when she came across a veritable fairyland of delicate pink wild roses intertwined with honeysuckle and woodbine. "'Oh!' cried Peggy, who simply worshipped flowers. "'How beautiful! I must take some of these home. They'll make our garden things look mean and shabby.' Stopping the car, she alighted, and was soon deep in her occupation of gathering the fragrant posies. Suddenly she was startled by the sound of a sobbing voice close at hand, and the next minute an angry male voice could be heard also. "'I tell you I'll do nothing of the sort,' the man was saying. "'Why should I go and own up that I'm a thief or the next thing to it? At any rate, they'd have me put in jail for all the attempts I've made to interfere with their aeroplane.' "'It's Fanning Harding!' gasped Peggy amazedly, and Hester Gibbons, she added the next instant as the girl's voice sobbed out. Well, if you won't, I will. I've been weak and foolish, but I'm not wicked. I'm going to tell Peggy Prescott all about it today and ask her to forgive me. You'd better not. Fanning Harding's tone was threatening now. Well, what if I do? You won't, I tell you. I'll have you locked up and charged with the theft yourself. You wouldn't dare. Oh, yes, I would. You've got that ruby, and that is pretty good proof that you stole it. It isn't so, and you know it. I have been a weak, silly girl, that's all, but I see it all now. And just to think, if I hadn't overheard you and my father talking, that I might have gone on admiring you. Tell me you won't go to the Prescott's with the story, or I'll... Help! Help! The shrill cry came in Hester's tones. Without quite realizing what she was doing, Peggy stooped and picked up a heavy bit of stick that lay in the road beside her. Then she stepped forward around a bin which had hitherto hidden the other two from her sight. As she appeared, Fanning had his hand on Hester's wrist and was wrenching it cruelly. "'Oh, oh, Fanning, please let go!' Hester was crying. "'I will if you'll promise not to tell.' "'There's no need for her to promise that, Fanning,' said Peggy for I have already heard enough for me to know that she has some connection with the disappearance of the Bancroft diamonds. "'Oh, Peggy!' cried Hester, running to her side. "'See here,' began Fanning, swaggering forward threateningly toward the two girls. "'My brother is just round the corner,' said Peggy boldly. "'He'll be here in a minute. If you don't wish to be arrested for what you did the other night, you had better get away from here, Fanning Harding.' A scared look crossed Fanning's face, and he turned and fairly took to his heels. "'Now, Hester,' said Peggy kindly, "'come with me to my car. It's just round the corner.' "'Oh, Peggy, I've been a bad, wicked girl, but I'm not a thief. Truly, I'm not.' "'I believe that,' said Peggy. "'But what do you know about the disappearance of the diamonds?' "'That I have them all here. Not one is gone,' was the amazing reply." and Hester, drawing a handkerchief from her bosom, unfolded it and displayed to Peggy's amazed eyes a glittering collection of gems. In the midst of the flashing gems, 
gleamed the big ruby which Peggy had once seen Hester so carefully conceal. "'Hester, you have a duty before you,' said Peggy slowly. "'Get in my car and come with me to my home, and then tell me all about this mystery which has puzzled us so long.' But the girl shrank back. "'I can't. Oh, Peggy, with you it's different, but before, the others, your brother—' "'Poor fellow!' "'He has been under unjust suspicion on account of these very jewels,' Peggy reminded the agitated girl. "'Oh, give me time. Not now. I—' "'No, it must be now,' said Peggy with gentle insistence. "'Come.' Something in her manner seemed to strike the girl. "'You'll promise no harm will come to me or my father through this?' she said. "'Is your father very deeply implicated in the matter?' asked Peggy seriously. "'looking straight into the other's eyes. "'No, on my word of honor, no,' was the response. "'Then I'll promise,' said Peggy. "'Very well, then, I'll tell you all I know about the matter,' "'said Hester as the girls got into the car. "'An hour later, in the library of the Prescott's home, "'Peggy, Roy, Jimsy, and Jess were gathered listening to Hester's story. "'Her eyes were red from crying, and she hesitated frequently,' but her manner showed that she was telling the truth. On a table lay the glistening jewels. Jess had counted them and found that they were all there. "'I didn't find out about the jewels till one night Fanning, who has always said he admired me,' said Hester with downcast eyes, "'gave me that big ruby there. At least he didn't give it to me, but he said I could wear it. Of course I had heard about the disappearance of the jewels from the auto,' but somehow I didn't associate this token of Fanning's with it. It was not till a week ago that I learned the true state of affairs. I overheard a conversation of Fanning's with my father, in which he threatened him with arrest if he, father, didn't give him some money Fanning said he had hoarded up. I knew Dad didn't have any, and I asked him after Fanning had gone to tell me all about it. He isn't such a bad man at bottom, and when I pleaded with him he told me the whole story— on the day of the jewel robbery, for it was a robbery, Morgan and Giles. Our butler and groom, cried Jess. Yes. Well, they were taking a stroll in the fields and happened along just as the car was wrecked. They knew from servants' gossip that you had been to town to get the gems. And when they saw you lying unconscious and the wallet near at hand, the temptation was too much for them and they stole it. They determined to hide it in some woods near my father's place but as they entered them, Fanning Harding came along on his bicycle. He saw them enter the woods and became suspicious. Leaning his bicycle against a tree, he followed them and saw them bury the gems under a tree which they marked. He noted the tree, too, and then, without their seeing him, he remounted his motorcycle and came on to see my father about that business of the hoax aeroplane. He said he wanted to bluff you into selling the butterfly to him. Well, Father agreed for a fair sum of money to help him, and we started right into town. At that time I thought it was a good joke, and we were both laughing as we came in sight of the scene of the accident. So that's what they were laughing at, thought Roy, recollecting how mystified he had been when he saw them together. I don't know whether it was Fanning's manner or what, said Hester, resuming, but my father began to suspect that he might know something about the jewels, and one day he followed him into the woods when he went to see if the jewels were still under the tree. Father made him own up when he caught him red-handed like that, but in the meantime Morgan and Giles also had arrived. Well, the four of them were all equally guilty, 
so they agreed to stick together and say nothing till the excitement about the loss had blown over. But Fanning in the meantime said that he must have the ruby to let me wear. I guess he wanted to show me that he was as rich as he was always pretending to be. A few days later they had a terrible fright. Morgan, who carried the leather wallet in his pocket for lack of a better place to put it, dropped it on the porch of the Bancroft's house, where, as you know, it was found before he realized his loss and could recover it. When Fanning came back from the aviation meet and began boasting of the mean tricks he had played you and how he had kidnapped Roy, I began to see what a despicable fellow he was. Then, too, he was always threatening Dad, and so I decided to make a clean breast of it all and save poor Dad any more trouble, for Fanning has dictated to him ever since they shared the secret. I went to the wood and found the marked tree I had heard them talk about so often, and with the jewels in my hand I started for your home, Peggy, for I didn't dare to go to the Bancrofts. But Fanning, it seems, had got suspicious and followed me. He overtook me at the spot where you encountered us. "'Does he know you have the jewels?' asked Roy. "'Not yet,' rejoined Hester. "'I believe if he had he would have been violent.' "'Well, Hester,' said Peggy, as the girl concluded her strange narrative, "'you have cleared up a puzzling mystery.' "'Did you ever hear such a yarn in all your born days?' asked Jimsy. "'And every one of the jewels is there,' cried Jess. "'I tell you what I'll do. "'I'll just call up the house and tell Mother about it. "'Won't she be pleased?' "'But Mrs. Bancroft was not at home, and—' "'Oh, Miss!' gasped the servant who answered the phone. "'We're all upset. "'Morgan has run off, Miss, and so has Giles. "'They took some of the silver with them. "'Mary and me tried to stop them, "'but they pointed a pistol at us and scared us "'and her high strikes.' "'I'll phone the police at once,' cried Jess indignantly. "'They might have got off if it hadn't been for that.' "'But although a good description was furnished, "'Morgan and Giles were not captured, "'and Mr. Bancroft was not ill-pleased.' "'They will not venture into this part of the country again,' he said, "'and we are well rid of such rascals.' Hester, in whom Mrs. Bancroft took an interest after the girl had told her with her own lips her strange story, is now at a girls' boarding school, having been sent there at Mrs. Bancroft's expense. As for Fanning Harding, his father sent him west soon after the lad's innate rascality had been revealed, and from reports Fanning is working hard to redeem the past and make himself a good and useful man. And so the mystery of the phantom airship and the missing jewels is all cleared up, said Peggy to Jess one day a short time after the events just described had transpired. Yes, rejoined her chum, and the air seems clearer and fresher somehow. It is terrible to have a dark cloud of suspicion hanging over one. It is indeed rejoined Peggy, and now as Roy leaves in a few days for the West, let's all take a good long spin. You and I will go on the Golden Butterfly while the boys can run along below us in the auto. But Jess looked a bit doubtful. Wouldn't Roy like to go in the aeroplane? she said. Peggy broke into merry laughter. Oh, you sly puss, she exclaimed. Very well, then, you and Roy in the Golden Eagle and Jimsy and I in the auto. "'Suits me,' cried Jimsy, throwing his arm around his sister's waist. "'But I thought you were the girl aviator of the family, Peggy.' "'So I am,' laughed Peggy. "'But I am willing to yield my place for once.' "'Well, if you'll excuse my hard slang,' 
laughed Jimsy. I think I may say we've all been up in the air for the last few weeks. But it's all over now, and we'll settle down to humdrum life once more. It's been jolly, though, protested Peggy. With some parts left out, put in Jess. But although no adventures just like those we've related happened again to the girl aviators, they were due to encounter some more strange experiences. In fact, both Peggy and Roy and their friends were on the brink of some odd happenings, the narration of which must be postponed to another volume of this series. What these complications and adventures, both merry and perilous, proved to be will be set down in full detail in The Girl Aviators on Golden Wings, A Breezy Tale of Our Aerial Maids. End of Chapter 24 End of The Girl Aviators and the Phantom Airship by Margaret Burnham Recording by Leanne Howlett